Hello everyone and welcome to the Encrypted Podcast. Encrypted is the Middle East's first and largest podcast network dedicated to blockchain and crypto assets. I'm your host, Ahmed Al-Balaghi, and in today's episode, we have Gary Shakeman, who's an investment partner in Jinko Investments and the corporate lead for Techstars Dubai. We talk about how the first Emirati family to operate a pure play early stage VC ventured into blockchain, their investment thesis, what crypto-related services will pave the way in enterprise and the do's and don'ts for doing a startup in the region. We also do a bit of bank bashing in this episode too, so trust me, many funny stories were shared, so you don't want to miss this one. But before we jump in, I really would like to thank those that have been supporting the show. And remember, you could support us in any way possible. You could subscribe, rate and review the show, sharing the podcast on your social media and any other way you feel like supporting. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Encrypted. I am coming to you live from Area 2071 here in Dubai. Um, with me here is my co-host, Nick Watson. Say hello. Hello. How are you doing? Very good. And you? I'm good. I'm good. Why? Because I'm with the Gary Shankman. I always want to be referred to as the something something uh, uh-huh. on a forward basis. I quite like that. <laughs> yeah. Or, or the sh- Shank. That works as well. That works as well. All the right. Shank. That's you. That that's the screen name on I think just about every social service out there. Ah. Okay. All right. So you are very well known here in Area Twenty Seventy One. But for those who don't know Area Twenty Seventy One and who don't know you, could you quickly give an introduction to yourself? Thank you. I mean, I I think it's more infamous than famous. I am a VC backed by a family office out here. We invest all over the world, primarily early stage, primarily in the developed markets. Our claim to fame in Dubai is that we were the sole sponsor and underwriter of Techstars Dubai in partnership with Jinko. So over the past uh, two years, we've been hosting entrepreneurs from all around the world, right here in Emirates Towers, taking them through a curriculum, uh, doing the demo days and uh, all the good God's work in quote unquote, building the ecosystem. Great. And you guys just recently finished the first Techstars cohort. Right? Second. 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 How did that go? That went really well. It was, it was really fun. I think it takes, I think, a year to really figure out how do you deliver a really high quality curriculum. And so I would say that our first class, the founders were guinea pigs and the founders <laughs> from the second class really got to internalize the benefits from our learnings of operating a program in Dubai, which has its own quirks. Great. And could you explain this sort of what what Jinko is and its partnership with with Techstars as well? Sure. So Jinko's been around since 1975. It's an engineering company, you know, four or 5,000 employees. If you've been around kind of Business Bay or different parts of Dubai, you've seen buildings with their uh, their name on it. We, the family office, looks at healthcare, food and beverage, but also venture capital, and I run that division for them. Within venture capital, we invest directly, and also we partner with uh, facilitators of portfolio development. And so much like Barclays in London, much like Sony in Los Angeles or Amazon in Seattle, we partner with Textures to deliver their program in Dubai, which practically means we underwrite the costs of it and we invest directly into the entrepreneurs and they bring their network and expertise to facilitate the program. Okay, great. Yeah. What is the, um, the focus of the investments? Is it anything? Enterprise, consumers, retail? 
Great question. So when we invest directly, it's typically enterprise because I'm much more helpful to those founders. Uh, I'm not as useful in the consumer universe. When, for tech stars, we are generally broad. We want to attract really high quality entrepreneurs and the purpose of the program was not only to you know, launch the family office VC program, but also to do a little bit of corporate social responsibility and really showcase to the world that it's possible to attract talent from California, from New York, from London to Dubai, despite the fact that they have all of these incredible options out there for acceleration and funding. And so that was kind of the purpose that we've had. I think that it's really tough to do vertical programs, so programs that are highly specific to an industry in a new and or emerging market, yeah. right? I mean, if there's so much going on in, in our city here, there's all these events and you have only a limited amount of time. And so if I had, let's say, 10 companies that all did advertising technology, I'm not going to be able to focus my mentor and investor community on helping 10 companies get into, you know, two, three clients. Yeah. But if I go to, you know, folks that are in media and say, hey, out of the 10 companies that we've brought from around the world, one is in your space, do the world a solid, be a decent human being um, and make some introductions, help an entrepreneur and contribute, you know, to the city. You know, that's something that we can be really effective at. Okay. That's great. Now, for anybody on the... Uh outside who's not heard the last two podcasts we sort of have like a little battle going on between Ahmed and I so I'm an enterprise guy and he's not no it's not I, I believe in enterprise <laughs> it's just that you get anyways we'll talk about this later <laughs> yeah basically I, I think it's quite an interesting conversation to have because when we get into the conversation about blockchain and and why and and where you see it fitting into the world maybe your world or the, the global world we, we have it, everybody has their own opinion on wh where it's going to really provide the most value and get the critical adoption. But that, that boils down to the, the next question of how much of your startups or the ecosystem you're working in are looking to start adopting blockchain itself as a, as a, a technology stack or into the technology stack? Great question. So of the companies that went through our accelerator, uh, we've had applicants that are in the blockchain space. None of them made it. They didn't make it into the make it cohort? Into the, into the program, program. no. Okay. We have four companies that are in the space in our broad portfolio. Okay. Of them, three are kind of very direct blockchain technology companies, and one is loosely in the space. Okay. And so our thesis for looking at companies is bifold. One is I like financial services, institutional custodianship, monitoring of, so like accounting for tokens. Uh, so okay. figuring out tax implications uh, and you know what does it actually look like to trade these assets and what is going to be kind of the next generation um, of portfolio management tool sets largely because I think finance is the lowest hanging fruit for for this industry and they'll pay because they see the value right away and so that's another kind of portion of it's great for the enterprise yeah. because um, the banks you know the the real estate transaction firms the investment managers you know they'll see the value of you know regulated, well-created products right away because they're used to it in, in their world. The other uh, vertical that we'll look at is developer tool sets. So how can my company effectively deploy blockchain for our use cases? 
And uh, you guys might have uh, heard of Blockaps when they were out here a couple of years ago with Consensus. Yeah. Yeah. So we're an investor, and you know they're a, they're basically a middleware, right? So they help companies like Ticketmaster make to, to do fraud prevention. They help companies like BHP Billiton, you know, make sure that the provenance of mining samples, you know, has kind of the right kind of data integrity for insurance purposes. And so these are really useful, expensive, real-world mm -hmm. applications that. You know, we're excited to invest in because companies can really use them today. This is not a kind of pie in the sky. We're all going to be, you know, throwing away our credit cards and, and burning all of our worldly possessions and only owning uh, crypto for the rest of our lives. You know, these are things that businesses can be using today. How many, how many of the, the startups you are working with now, not the blockchain ones, because obviously encryption is going to be native to their business as a whole, ideally, but how many of the companies you're working with are using encryption in a large chunk of what they do. Internal communication, external communication, not, not HTTPS, but literally they, they're baking it in as part of what they're doing. Great question. We have companies, we have two companies in the last Techstars cohort that do IoT specifically. So one of them uh, has a devices component and there they need to be very, very careful because it's sensitive data that gets transmitted. I, I think practically speaking, you know, I like to focus on businesses that can have material margin expansion, so they live primarily in the cloud. And so if you don't really have, you know, the data leaving from one to the other, I, you know, there's not a whole lot of use case besides your kind of typical vanilla HTTPS implementations. If you're, we don't have anything in medical technology, um, I think there you have to be a little bit more careful and we don't have anything in regulated products outside of the crypto world. Do you have an opinion yourself on it? As in its future and what, where it should and should not be used in terms of any startup or anybody in the, the, the let's say series A type growth stage? I mean, I think security is paramount, but also it's, you have to make sure that it makes sense for... Actually, I want to ask um, a follow-up to what he said. Just say when you're ready, I'll do it. Before you ask that question again, yeah. I want to... Sure, no problem. Yeah. Sure. So, from all the different investments you guys made and have actually seen in terms of this market in particular, what have you actually seen that's been successful already, whether it's an enterprise or a consumer adoption? What have you seen that is actually, okay, blockchain is actually making sense right now? So uh, Interchange HQ is one of our investments. Uh, they power, through their recent merger with uh, a part of MG Stover's business, they power 80 crypto hedge funds from, from their back office. So it's everything from portfolio management down to um, all the tax data um, that, they, that they need to output. So that's, that's a really exciting business for us. Probably are the ones, I don't want to say one we're most excited about, um, just because we're, you know, they're all my children. But we think there is going to be a lot of legs in really high touch institutional custody. They'll be able to manage everything from forks to managed airdrops. I, I think that we are really, really far away from wallets being friendly enough for consumers or for employees. And so I firmly believe that we're going to move to a place where all securities, whether their options warrants or, or tradable assets on any exchange are going to be crypto native. Uh, we're not going to call them tokens. We're just going to call them shares of stock. Yeah. Uh, just the way that we don't we no longer call them e-shares. You know, we kind of went from paper to e-shares. Uh, we just call them shares. Yeah. 
But for example, if I am a startup and I'm going to be issuing you know, these new types of options to my staff, I probably should hold them in some sort of uh, custody because if I give them to you on, on a laptop and you, and you screw it up, uh, all of a sudden you don't have access to that anymore. And so having custody and recourse and, and really thinking through the entire journey of someone owning uh, that asset until they convert it to fiat or convert it to another currency once there's a real realization of an oral liquidity event kind of in the asset that that crypto is attached to is, is something that I think is going to be a massive industry. But what about the concept of, okay, you have these, I don't want to say the word security tokens, you have these, you know, digital securities where in, inherently they have to be regulated and they would only get through whitelisted participants. And once they, they get created, they, would be prob they could be created on a private blockchain, public blockchain, whatever. But the idea is that these tokens can be centrally controlled. So, for example, you just mentioned the, the, the example of the custody where, you know, if you had these shares um, on a laptop, if something happens to that laptop, you could still redeem those shares because the nature of those tokens can still be, they will still be, they'll still have recourse because you go to, go back to that smart contract and reissue those, those shares that were lost. So do you, like, I, I don't know if I see a, a big custody solution for assets that need regulation and need control. But of, for, of course, for Bitcoin and these forks, that's, that's a totally different story. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, we only have, you know, backwards looking visibility into what's been developed so far. You know, we might find ourselves in, in a situation where companies reward their staff in some sort of a mix of, you know, public blockchain tokens, something that's private. It's going to be a mix. I think people are going to get super creative uh, with yeah. how this stuff works. And, you know, we see. I, I just think that in general, banks uh, will, will get on this business really quick, but they won't before a, an entire generation of companies that will build out this solution for professional investors as well as for, for retail ones. And I think that as, as, an, as a venture capitalist, we, we look at an opportunity to, you know, realize value as this industry matures. You know, by the time that, you know, Chase offers crypto custody solutions, I'm, I'm not there anymore. You know, my, my goal is to find these things when they're early. So you, you would rather prefer to put your money into a sort of decentralized finance solution or product rather than something, rather than let's say a FinTech that would only sort of attract enterprise clients? Oh no, I would actually prefer the enterprise clients. Okay. Uh, I, I think the, the reason why is that I think our investor base uh, is a little bit conservative. And so trying to explain Maker to our investors is just really tough. Yeah. And trying to explain, oh, it's like a bank, but for all this digital stuff is, is a lot easier. And you pay a percentage of the total digital stuff that we hold. So that, that makes my life a little bit easier. Um, and I think that there is, again, a path to medium-term liquidity for our investors in investing in these kinds of products because I think there's going to be a lot of acquisitions in that space. Am I a believer that you know, we're going to have this large layer of maker-like protocols or maybe they're kind of, they become kind of the Bitcoin of, and kind of the, the core protocol that does that? Yeah, 
Um, I, I think we'll end up with something like that. The question then, kind of, if we, if we want to go one level nerdier, is will they be able to provide interest rates that are more competitive than traditional financial institutions? Mm, and right now, yeah. they're nowhere near. <laughs> Stability fees are, are way higher, and that's natural and organic. And the fact that it works at all, I think, is voodoo and magic and wonderful. But it's probably a lot cheaper than probably a lot cheaper cents on the dollar than it would be the old way of getting returns with cash if uh, you weren't banking it, for example. Yeah, I mean, I think providing liquidity into that system is a fantastic way of making money. I think that borrowing from it is terrible. <laughs> Especially as an American, right? I have, I have infinite access to basically free debt uh, for the rest of my life. And the more debt I take on, yeah. the more they give me. Yeah. Good old America. <laughs> Well, you still have to pay tax wherever you are in the world, so um, <laughs> it's good to be a Brit. <laughs> no, what do you mean? We'll all move to Puerto Rico and oh. magic, magically my taxes will disappear with all my crypto no, holdings, we've heard right? the story again. <laughs> when, when was your moment of truth regarding Bitcoin? Like, when were you fully convinced that, oh, bleep, Bitcoin will, all blockchain will do something huge. Let me prelude that. There's, there's the crypto getting in, and then there's the blockchain getting in, right? Um, almost everybody came in one way or the other. Yep, that's right? true. They, they would not have come in with both. They would have come in with either, oh my God, I'm gonna buy Bitcoin. There was no use case. They just wanted to own this thing. Or there's the other one where there's a use case for using blockchain technology as a fundamental. And that's how they got in. And they're like, oh, God, what is this thing? And then they moved over to the crypto space. Yeah, definitely uh, blockchain first for me. I, I got super excited about all the implications to hopefully destroy and disintermediate all the audit and consultancy companies out there. The, the kind of the, the favorite example that everyone always uses is you know, loyalty points um, yeah. or, or any kind of situation where you have multiple organizations um, that carry massive liabilities on their books and there's forex adjustments and all of a sudden, and they spend tens of millions of dollars uh, for Ernst & Young to go and audit them. You know, what if you could just remove that? Yeah. Now, granted, I, I firmly believe that companies like Ernst & Young will now become uh, blockchain implementation consultants. So I, I will never... Does that have anything to do with the fact that they're sat across the street? I just like to, I like to and pick they, up they them, just yes. offered a smart contract advisory service? Oh, did they, I, did not, I did not hear about that, but yeah, exactly, I, yeah. I think all of these companies will move from audit into system integrator services. Yeah. And, and just like these guys used to spend, you know, four years implementing Oracle for you in Minnesota or you know, wherever your corporate headquarters is located, they will now spend four years and millions of dollars implementing quote-unquote blockchain into your organizations. You know, the parasite world of consultants will never leave us. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I was, I was, it's funny, there was, some, there was some recent news out. Amazon just went public a little bit in certain regions of the U.S. with their, I don't think Ethereum, but their fabric public version, so not, no longer beta. Um, and then there was a report from Gartner, actually yesterday or today, that 20% of the top 10 global grocers will use blockchain by 2025. So very enterprisey, but I think with everything becoming so easy now with turning on 
blockchain as a service and then just adding on the modules and then you maybe just throw in some Amazon additional services. I'm wondering what space there is going to be for the service companies who are basically piecing all that together themselves. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I, I think that we will always have custom applications that ultimately interact with the humans that will need to be developed for each use case for, for large organizations. The thing that I fear, and you know, we see a lot of this, is I've seen, I don't want to say a million, I don't want to exaggerate, but at least a million and a half startups that will say, we will revolutionize medical records on the blockchain. We will revolutionize your uh, employment records on the blockchain. We will do school records on the blockchain. And my question to them is, so let me get this straight. You're going to go up to this country's education ministry and you're going to be in the same kind of waiting room as IBM and you're, and you're going to pitch against them. And you're expecting this country to hand over all this data to you in, instead of IBM. And what's their response? <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and the meeting kind of doesn't go well after that. Hang on, I, I, most of them will turn around and go, yeah, but IBM charges so much that they won't be able to do it. Yeah, but people don't I mean, get fired. That's their pitch, right? So. Yeah, people don't get fired hiring IBM. We had this big conversation about this on the last two podcasts ago. The recently the lack of risk people were willing someone to Someone might get fired for hiring Accenture. Did you, did you see that story where um, Hertz is now suing Accenture because they charged them something like $32 million for a new booking portal and they haven't delivered it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's amazing. I want to be paid $32 million to fail at something. Well, that's yeah. what the ICO market did <laughs> a year and a half ago. I mean, I don't know what you were doing a year and a half ago. I think we both were. I think we both entered in at the same party, but from different different perspective. Loyal. Uh, was that your first real like, enterprise foray? Um, or something earlier than that? Block apps. So block, block apps app. are the guys that you know we ended up investing in and I think are a really interesting company. But spending time with the consensus team when they were doing a lot of consulting around uh, enterprise implementations. Okay. That's, that's what became really interesting for me. The, I love the idea of banking the unbanked and independent finance, and I think all of these things are, are wonderful, but the lowest hanging fruit, and I think what's most exciting for this is that, you know, every time you send money uh, or any time you interact with the banking system, even though it works, it works really well in the developed world. I mean, let's get real. The apps are beautiful. Mm -hmm. If you send someone a wire, it gets there the same day. Okay, it's not instant. Yes, there's all these checks and balances. But for the average consumer in the developed market, yeah. it's, it's fine. But what really attracted me to the space is that underneath that layer of lipstick, there's shit. Oh, yeah. uh, and yeah. it's like old computers that are from... 1970s. 70s. I heard a story that... If you want to make a change on some of the banking systems, so you have to make a request to IBM or one of the initial providers of that tech. It takes six months because the code was all done in um, assembly. So they literally cannot do it that quick. Even if it's to add an extra variable, it can take a long, long, long time to put that in. Yeah, and if you, if you look at kind of the value created of 
slightly improving on ERP or slightly improving accounting software or kind of your modern enterprise comms, the, the Slacks, the Atlassians, et cetera, of, of the world and how much value they've created. Imagine wholesale replacing the infrastructure that moves money around. I mean, I, I just think the opportunity there, though it's not sexy to talk about, that is going to be the, yeah. the big, big money that is going to be made in, in this space, at least from the software engineering and venture capital world. So I, I wanted to add um, to that. So what, what you said regarding the, the startups and when they come and pitch to you and sort of you challenge them, you know, how would you get to IBM and convincing sort of this ministry? So for those who actually come to this region, um, whether or not they get into Techstars or, or, or get part or, or actually get into one of your investments, what, how do you advise these startups on actually coming into this region? What, you know, um, it's very different to the US, diff very different to the UK. Walk, walk us through that, that process of, do you sort of just hold their hand, take them to a meeting? that very important person. I think the advice I give to startups is the same as I give to fund managers or large organizations that come to this region is that the sales cycles are longer because you have to do FaceTime and not an amazing video protocol that doesn't quite work here, but real FaceTime. Uh, and once you have that trust and you've built that understanding with real people on the ground, you'll have a lot more trust to operate and to be able to work with them and to really build and grow your business. But that process of going from I'm new to market to I'm not here to extract capital and bail is something that takes 18 months. Yeah, yeah I, think there's, I, I think people fundamentally misunderstand the culture of this market. There's, um, I, I, I consider it like an unknown handshake between people between the local market and people who come into the market where you're shaking hands but really it's a contract of i'm shaking and if i don't see you again there won't be an opportunity here yeah and if you don't come back and shake that same hand and then like add another touch point or add another i i look that there's just no way the relationship's going to build no matter how many phone calls and no matter how many pitches you do via skype which obviously we know is a bit blocked here um <laughs> it's interesting we, we have this experience a lot in what we do but i know you've you've experienced this but it, it's it's interesting people just don't get it and they still think that they can come in give a great presentation but you can be the best of the best and still mean nothing if you don't show traction in the region yeah and the other thing that people make a mistake about is that they will read around the sovereign wealth entities in the UAE, in Saudi Arabia, uh, around how they're funding all of these companies in the US and Europe. And the expectation is that those same entities will participate here. But those are diversification vehicles for the sovereign wealth funds. And so they diversify to other markets to establish companies. That's their, that's their purpose. The local market functions very differently from those vehicles. And the decision-making process for what to invest in in the local market is done by different people uh, from different budgets. I did not know that, by the way. That is really interesting. I mean, you can, you can probably get a meeting with Abu Dhabi Investment Authority if you, you know, have some wasta, but they're not, if you have something for them in the region, they, they don't really care because mm. they need to be writing $50 million tickets to develop markets because that's their remit. What's interesting, there's, there's, there's actually, I mean, you work for Jinko, right? But not up until Techstars, 
it might not have been a name that anybody would have gone, hey, I'm going to go speak to Jinko and, and see if they'd invest in a tech company, right? I mean, there's so many family offices out there that are, they have 100 businesses underneath them, and one, five of them might be technology integration companies that deal with enterprise SaaS, et cetera, but nobody would ever find them because all they're going to do is look for PIF and Mobadala and, and all the companies that have like a shiny front end, but not the ones that really have a clip art website, which are actually probably the, the ones where you might be able to get a little bit more gravy out of or opportunity with. Yeah, and I, I also think that there is this scar tissue uh, in, in the local market where you have had, you know, decades of merchant bankers coming through and slinging crappy deals to family offices and investors here and they've gotten their hands burned. And so, you know, now we have this startup community here and a lot of us, you know, have been here for a decade plus. We've been building this thing kind of with our, with our bare hands uh, on clean, shiny keyboards. You know, we weren't digging ditches, but, you know, we've, we've kind of put in the time to really undo a lot of that damage. I mean, I think the damage was done on one hand by not super ethical finance folks, you know, pre the last crisis. And I'm gonna keep hammering on the consulting world, which will charge a significant amount of money for strategy, but then leave implementation to low cost offshore development, which ultimately devalues knowledge work, which in developed markets is the most expensive part of building anything. No, that that's that is very interesting. They're basically outsourcing to offshore markets, and so what what do you think when it comes to we we talked about crypto um, a bit before, but in terms of this region, since you've been here for for quite some time, been looking to the finance world a bit, and also investing heavily as well, how quickly do you think this region will actually adopt crypto, and will actually issue some sort of regulation or some sort of you know, or banks at least, right? And all these exchanges that come here um, do not have bank accounts. And DMCC, they issue crypto OTC licenses, but they, but the banks won't give these companies who hold these licenses any bank accounts. When, how long do you think the UAE would sort of say, okay, you know what? Let's let's be more lenient on this. When Coinbase IPOs. I love that answer. I did not expect I was that. not expecting that. I was not expecting that. That's a good one. I, I think there's going to be a major transaction and Coinbase either IPOs or JP Morgan Chase bites the bullet and buys them outright. And that is going to be a massively hyped transaction. People are going to make an absolute ton of money and it will really move the needle in other regulated markets. Yeah. I, I think they need to see an example. Uh, I, I think... I have only the most awful things to say about the banking mm -hmm. uh, world here. Yeah. We've you know, now invested into several dozen companies that come here. And for every single one of them, we will open up a bank account with Silicon Valley Bank. We do not wire money wow. to companies nice. in the UAE into banks in this country. They are terrible institutions to work with. And we've partnered with an American bank that will allow us to open companies in the UAE, have ownership here, and bank in the US. Perfect. Think, think, about all that <laughs> think about all that capital that's not providing value in this country. And it's, uh, it's offshore. Oh, you, you, here, here's something funny. You know, the large Korean transaction that happened, Korean yeah. doesn't bank locally. Yeah. 
Why would they? I mean, for probably their DIWA bill, but not Treasury. Mm. We'll have a few more of these, hopefully, large tech transactions, both mm. in the market and outside of it, that will serve an example of you know, how much the local banks are screwing up at servicing the market. And the way it will probably work is, you know, His Highness from, from here or um, the Federal Council, somewhere um, there's going to be a discussion around how did we miss out on this? And it will be a, what's the word I'm looking for? Somebody gets replaced. Somebody gets replaced. <laughs> no, Moved I don't on, think... they go home, they get retired. Uh, no, but it's but it's going to be a decree. That's that's the word that I was looking for. And they'll just wholesale replace the law by decree. Um, I don't think it's going to be a bottoms up kind of regulatory process where all of us as a community of nerds are going to lobby the banks and the central bank yeah, to, to well, change this. Well, this podcast is, is one. It's raring to go. Yeah. We're, we're, we're picking up steam, huh? <laughs> just this conversation itself is getting us forward. <laughs> Can you actually, I'm really interested in that. So could you just explain the process of, okay, so, you, so you're partnered up with Silicon Valley Bank, which is helping um, the companies which are located here to bank with them. So in terms of salaries, in terms of all of that, wouldn't they have to pay an extra cost to do an international bank transfer? And when Kareem as well sort of does their banking, so it doesn't that affect their treasury a bit more because all the transactions are happening here? Like, I'm just trying to understand the logic. I, I know the banking institutions here are a bit sort of underdeveloped compared to the rest of the world, but I'm still trying to understand how that works. So for most investments that happen, they happen in dollars as the transaction currency, right? So when you have the major venture capital firms here invest into a company, their funds are in dollars and those funds are in, in Cayman. Uh, and so you're, you're already in dollars to begin with. Um, what we generally recommend for companies to do is that they're going to have their holding company, they're going to have their international banking, and they have to deal with you know forex into any local currency that they work with. Maybe they have engineers in Australia, or maybe they have engineers in Bulgaria, or or Jordan, and so you'll always have uh, some sort of underground you know accounts that are that are there to pay rent or or salaries or something. But core treasury functions, you know, should should not be uh, in a bank that's difficult to work with. Yeah. You know, if you forget to renew your PO box, you know, your your bank stops working. I mean, that's it's just silly stuff. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Um, it's getting off a little bit off the encrypt in, in blockchain. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's very very this is very because, important. But this no, I, I, I think I. Uh, t I'm going to talk in code specifically. But are you aware of the new challenger bank coming up? There are a couple. No, this one comes from a, a very well-known person in the UAE. Oh, you don't want to say this, right? You don't yeah, want to I say can't the say names. But are you aware? I'm, you be I'm able not to wink aware. At me? Okay, all right. So, we'll, uh, yeah, there is one coming up. Well, supposedly, good. and it's uh, pure. And what the beauty is for your startups, at least, uh, it's retail and business banking. A pure from scratch, brand new technology stack. None of the archaic stuff. That sounds very exciting. I will leave. FAB and EMBD instantly for it. <laughs> I think everybody will uh, will find new homes for uh, their capital. That's for we, sure. We, we might we should start a new podcast just talking about how, how banks should change. Uh, <laughs> you will <laughs> have you will have a very long line of people that would want to talk to you about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, in a good way or bad way? <laughs> I wonder if we'll be able to get the banks on the podcast after we do that. So. I was on a panel at Jitex, I want to say, not maybe two years ago, and it was with 
the new head of innovation at EMBD. There's, there's always a new one because they, there's a new person that comes and then they say, oh, the guys before me, they didn't know what I was, what, what they were doing, but I will make it better. And then they make some sort of an announcement and then they quickly get promoted or transferred into something that isn't as, uh, as dangerous for, for their career. And so the, the topic was something like, how do you meaningfully engage the startup community as a large enterprise? And, and I held up the developer portal for Emirates MBD and I'm like, well, you make sure that this website actually works uh, because none of the links were like tappable. It's, the stuff is not that complicated. <laughs> but you know, Emirates MBD, not, I guess this is not the hammering show for them, but they've actually implemented several blockchain projects, which are very interesting. Do you know about some of these? Or yeah, but every time I need to change a phone number for my bank account, I need to come into a branch and file a piece of paper. Who cares if they implemented blockchain? <laughs> this is a blockchain podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I totally, I totally agree with this. I mean, it's it's the aspect of yeah, the customer service and stuff. Yeah, it's just why why does paper still exist in these? Now, okay, but this is not the bank's fault. Okay, wet signatures is a, uh, a UAE thing. It's not the bank's thing. It's more expensive for them to have wet signature requirements than it is to go digital. They, they can handle the risk of a purely digital signature. It's the, the rules and regulations set by the government that cause the wet signature problem. I, I have to say one of Can the, you just explain what wet signature uh, wet is? Wet signature, a pen, ink, paper. It's wet. Yeah, but what problem, why is that a problem? Because a, a signature where you're physically holding a pen and you're putting on a piece of paper is culturally considered more secure than getting a tablet thing and signing on a, on a tablet. There's also a witness usually to, to that document and they physically take it. And so that's kind of the, the liability yeah. is on that side as opposed to, mm -hmm. oh, something was wrong with the technology. Mm -hmm. Though one of the things that I quite enjoy doing is that, you know, the company stamp is boring, but what you can do is you can get a wax seal which is, oh, which is so, quite so cool. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's only like, I think it's like 100 dirhams and they'll deliver to you same day. You can get a wax seal for anything. There's entire little shops that will make these things oh, for you. Oh, this one's down, down in old Dubai. Yeah, yeah, in Dara. And there's a guy on a moped. He'll bring you a wax seal for anything that you need. <laughs> and, and so what I need to uh, do these signatures, I'm like, wait, let me take out my butane torch. I got to like melt down <laughs> some wax. Because if we're going to be last century with those documents, I'm going to go full in. I love that. We're going to get one for encrypted. We'll give all the guests a... Uh, encrypted. Amazing. Oh, that's it. Yeah. You that's know, it. If the seal's not broken, we know it's uh, safe. Perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, is there anything else you wanted to discuss, Nick? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no I'm, more I'm, I'm still thinking about the wax seal on the envelope right now. So I'm just thinking, gosh, what would I put on there? Yeah. And when would I use it? And I'm thinking, mm, okay, that could be interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much tapped out now. So, so <laughs> all right. So <laughs> thank you so much, Gary, for coming on to the show. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, how can they get in contact with you? They can send an email to you guys. And if it's not weird, you can forward it. If it's not weird. If it's not yeah, weird. So don't or, forward or it to me. Like very weird. I'll, I'll take very weird. I don't want medium weird. Just, I, I want very weird um, for Nick. Yeah. Um, and then I want medium weird for you. And then I'll take the normal ones. Just Google the shank. <laughs> and whatever comes up, follow it. Perfect. Yeah. Right? And if you can't, go on LinkedIn and, and send him lots and lots of messages. We know Gary is very, very fond of LinkedIn. 
Oh no, I don't don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Only crypto Twitter. And, 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 and just mention Taco Stars. He'll, he'll reply to you. <laughs> yes, Taco Stars is the most important uh, social group in Dubai. Yeah, after encrypted, but anyhow. What about FinTech Connector? I thought that was pretty um, high up there. The, the FinTech Connector, that, that is, uh, it targets a very different crowd. Yeah? Yeah. What's, not, what's, I, I obviously haven't graduated from, from the FinTech Connector into the Taco... Taco... Taco Stars. Taco Stars, oof, it it's, uh, sounds tasty. The, oh, uh, there's a lot of margaritas uh, involved. Good gosh, I'm going to have to see if I can qualify for that one as well then. <laughs> well, thank you so much guys for, for coming on to the show and if you really like this episode, please do not forget to rate and review and if you still haven't subscribed to the episode, please make sure and hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thanks guys. Thanks.